0: it mm, it's been a good day already, hasn't it? Is anybody glad to be in church today? Anybody glad it's a little chilly outside? A few of you. I got a few angry no's right there. I don't know what that's all about. We'll have prayer available after the service. That was very aggressive, but it's okay. You're in the right place. Jesus will set you free today because we get to wear our sweatshirts One last time. I'm excited about that. Hey, I missed you last week and I'm super excited to be back today. And today's going to be a special day. More on that in a minute. But I want to talk about Easter. Did you know Easter's coming up? You didn't. I can tell. You're like, I have no idea. It's early this year. It's coming. It's just a few weeks away. And I want to talk to you about what we've been talking about for a long time. That what we are called to... ...is to be the city set on a hill. Do you believe that? A few of you do. Where I'm, I got tough sledding today. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to till the soil. That's okay. But scripture says that you and me... Somebody lift your voice and say me. Alright, not the person next to you. You, me, each one of us who are a follower of Jesus... ...are told by our king in Matthew... That we are the city set on a hill and here's the key that what cannot be hidden. That cannot be hidden. And so we are on the front foot with our faith and Easter, according to research, is one of the best times for you to. To take advantage of being on the front foot of your faith, of being that city set on a hill, of being that candle that can't have a basket cover it. Are you picking up what I'm laying down? You know where I'm headed with this. But I want you to listen to the actual stats. This was a Lifeway research study that was done recently, says that 67% of Americans say that if their family member would extend them an invite to an Easter service, they would accept it. 67% those are good odds Those are good odds I know you're wondering about your friends too though Your friends and your neighbors According to the same study 63% of your friends and neighbors Would accept a personal invite To come to church on Easter Sunday Those are good odds Why do I say all that? Because it's really something that we're supposed to be doing all the time Amen It just is slightly Easier, Leading up to Easter Alright And so that's coming up in just a couple weeks So I want you to pray about it I don't want you to just think Okay, my pastor wants me to invite some people to church on Easter I want you to invite somebody every Sunday Because I think every Sunday is awesome At Redeemer City Church However, I do know that uh, Whether we like it or not Or however we would unpack that For whatever reason On that particular celebratory Sunday People are open they're open to being gathered with God's people. And more than them getting to listen to me, they would get to see you. They would get to see us. They would get to see for even a brief moment the kingdom of God breaking into earth. That there would be that crack in the darkness where light might come through. Does that make sense? That, that they would get a different picture than the one that they've been given all their life. That they'd get a different picture from work. That they'd get a different picture from the sports field. That they'd get a different picture from school. That they would get a picture of what a refuge might feel like. A, A time to collectively take a deep breath and recognize that God is God. That he's Lord. That all the effort in the world doesn't. Satisfy the greatest need in the human heart. Amen? And so I want you to pray about that. I want you to pray about who it is that's in your circle, friend, family, neighbor. And I'm going to do the same that needs to be with you on Easter Sunday. We're going to do one service, 1030, of all the things. it will be an Easter egg hunt for the kids out there. It's going to be a great Sunday. Uh, So, by the way, Easter egg hunt, that's a great way to hook somebody in, just saying. All right? And so... Uh, they are not allowing me to participate. I'm pretty bummed about get pretty competitive about the Easter egg hunt. So I'll be sending Baylor in. All right. That's my six year old daughter. If you're wondering, she'll be on a mission and, uh, it's going to be a great Sunday though. So I want you to pray about that and make your plans to be a part of it and to bring somebody with you because we really think that one invite can change somebody's life. One invite can change somebody's life. It did for you at some point. And it can for your friends, family, and neighbor. So hope you'll pray about that. And I want to pray about that right now. And then we'll dive right into what God has for us today. Fair enough? Let's pray. God, thanks for the chance to be together again. We are so grateful for your goodness to us. It's not lost on us that your word says that apart from you, we can do nothing. And God, we are woefully aware of that. We recognize that without you, there's no reason to be here right now. If it's just a concert or just a talk, there's good ones of those available all over the place. But we recognize that the difference is that you're present. That Holy Spirit, you are in our midst. You are in our bodies. You are filling our soul with presence. You are the bread of life, the breath that we breathe. We are... Expectant that you will move in this place today through the power of your word. As we sang, great is your faithfulness and we lean all of who we are onto that truth today. We love you. And everybody said. So we're into John chapter three. We're going to skip the first part of it, though, and come back to that next week as we gear up for Easter. And I want to jump to the second half of John chapter 3 because today we're taking part together in a special moment in the life of our church one of the things that uh, a functioning church does is call people into ministry one of the things that an elder board does besides pray and lead and govern is to recognize gifts in people and publicly ordain those and so what we're doing today is special in the life of our church because what we're going to do today at the end of this time is lay hands on Jerome and publicly ordain him for ministry. And so you, you may have been in church for a long time, maybe your entire life and never seen this take place. That's sad. And I want to just encourage you to lean in today and think through The beauty of some of the things that God has given as gifts to the life of the church, right? All through scripture, we talk about this. And James, I love the way he says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, from the Father of lights, from the Father of the heavens, right? Because he's so much bigger than we are. He has everything in control. The scripture says his enemies are his what? Come on, church. Footstool, right? Have you ever kicked back in a recliner and put your feet up, right? Jesus is at peace today and he's offering it to you. And one of the ways that he does that is through these gifts and ministries of the church. It puts us at peace because God has ordained certain things to take place. And one of the things that happens in our 21st century American version of church is that we can blow past things that ought to slow us down. (laughs) That for the sake of going through a series, we would skip celebrating together what God's doing in the life of people. That we would pray that we would lay hands on people and that we would see the gifts of God come alive in people. And you might even be surprised because you would say Jerome's been functioning in that role for us for a while now. Almost two years. And I would say exactly. And that is the goal because one of the things that, uh, or two, let me give you two admonitions that Scripture gives to those of us who are pastors and elders in the church. Is one, to lay hands on ministers of the gospel. That there is something spiritual that takes place when we lay hands on ministers of the gospel and they go and do what God's called them to do. And then the second part of that though is that we're told in scripture to not be hasty in laying hands on ministers of the gospel. That there, there ought to be some level of time, some level of life together, some level of serving together in the body of Christ Before we would publicly lay hands on somebody and ordain them into ministry. And so we have wanted to do that. And so Jerome's been functioning in that way. But one of the beautiful things that the church uh, of Jesus Christ gets to do is celebrate faithfulness. Did you know that God never calls a church to be huge? God never says success is tons of money. God never says success is anything other than faithful. Why? Because it's his work. If we can do nothing apart from Christ, then everything is a result of Christ. Can I get an amen in church? Right now, listen. We want our church to grow, we want to do it, but we want it to be healthy. We want you to be healthy, and we're working on those things, and there's a lot more work to do. But this is one of them. Recognizing and publicly affirming what the scripture says ministry is. What the scripture says a pastor ought to look like. We're not ordaining CEOs today, we're not calling CEOs, we're calling shepherds, we're calling pastors. Who are to do specific things in the church. And so when sufficient time passes. It is part of the role of elders in a church community to participate in this calling of God to ordain people in the ministry. What is sufficient time? We're not told what sufficient time is. But there are many, many different traditions And we are not here today to say any of those are wrong or any of those are right. We're simply here to look at what Scripture says the ordination process looks like of laying on of hands. And so we did our own version of passing of time that we just simply believe is life together. Sufficient time of life together, which meant we... Watch Jerome's life. We watch his ministry. We listen to him teach. We listen to him counsel. We listen to we watch him lead. And all along through the church to men and women who are set apart for this spiritual work, we would do the same thing and even are. But the point of ordaining somebody into pastoral ministry or gospel ministry is to do what scripture says in first Peter five to shepherd the flock of God among you. That's what pastors do. And I recognize that you can go to any number of churches and get pastoral ministry that does any number of things. And I just want to hone you back in and say, what we're doing here is shepherding. Because that's what the gospel says. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. So we're not going to plan your social calendar. We're not going to... Uh, give you tips and tricks for your taxes. We're not going to do any of that. What we actually think is that the spirit of God is moving across the earth and he's inviting us to be a part of it. And Jesus taught us to pray that we would see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and that there is a practitioner aspect of what a pastor does in ushering that into the life of God's people. That we stand in that gap between between what is seen and what is unseen and we invite both to come together. It's a beautiful thing, it's a powerful thing, and it is a scary thing because we're also told that those of us who preach and teach will be held to a different standard. And so this is this is a a leveling up if you will in what God's expectations are. But one thing I love is in Ephesians chapter four, where it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers for what we are specifically told what our job is to equip the saints, to equip every single person within the sound of my voice to do the work of ministry. It is not our job to do ministry. The Bible says that it's our job So so it is our job to do ministry, but no more than it is your job to do ministry. Our task is different. Our task is to hear from God and equip you to do the work of ministry from a place of freedom. It's beautiful. And what happens when we do our job? Listen to what scripture says in Ephesians 4. It says for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of God. Powerful stuff. And so in 1 Timothy 5.22, and I want to put this one up on the screen because it sets the table for exactly what we're doing here. Paul reminds Timothy and reminds all of us of what exactly is taking place when we lay hands on a minister of the gospel and ordain them into ministry. Listen to what he says here in 1 Timothy 5.22. He says, for this reason, I remind you. What? To fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's a beautiful thing that takes place in the church when the church gathers and lays hands on people. James tells us that it can heal people. Paul's telling us that it can impart gifts to people that God has put there. And so we can get scared of like the things happening in the unseen realm in the spiritual world. And yet it's one of the greatest blessings that we have that through this ordinary act, God would do extraordinary things. Right. We just studied a few weeks ago when when the people were were shocked at God's first miracle, Jesus first miracle, turning water into wine and And then people get shocked when Jesus says who he is. And and he actually looked at those followers and said, man, you think that was something? He said, you will see much greater things than these. What was he talking about? Part of what he's talking about is that it's going to go throughout the whole earth. And that people would be doing these all over the world for thousands and thousands of years. Powerful Things. And so that's what we're going to do today. But before we get there, we've been studying the gospel of John. And I mentioned that we want to go to the end of chapter three um, as we prepare to hear from Jerome, his testimony, his call to ministry. I want him to do that for you. But as we think that I want to draw your attention to this particular spot in John three, where we see quite specifically this glimpse of what ministry is actually all about we get a picture of what pastors ought to do ought to be like often we're calling in our culture a pastor into the spotlight when in fact that is not at all what our role is supposed to be and i think john the baptist encapsulates it perfectly in this story. And so let me read it to you in John chapter three, starting in verse 22, and we'll read all the way through 36. Why don't you stand with me as we read every now and then you got to stand for the public reading of the word. And so let's let's get the blood flowing. And I want you to listen to the details of this story as it relates to ministry. John chapter three, verse twenty two says this. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John, this is John the Baptist, not the writer of the gospel. John the Baptist was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Verse 25. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and everybody's going to him. If you are not privy to pastoral ministry problems, this is our greatest problem. Well, their church is bigger than our church. And that hurts my feelings. Because I think my stuff's better than their stuff. And we just do it and we can't help it and pray for us. (laughs) But that's not the point. That is not the point of pastoral ministry. But isn't it interesting that even thousands of years ago, without technology, without buildings, without lights, without TVs, without anything, they were still struggling with the same thing. We out here doing our ministry and everybody's going over there. It's a struggle. But in his answer, we are opened up to the beauty of what is possible when a servant of God truly becomes a servant of God. And it's a challenge to me. It's a challenge that I have for Jerome today. And it's a challenge for every single one of us because what the scripture actually teaches is that every single one of you are ambassadors for Christ. God's making his appeal to the world through you. So in reality, we are all ministers of The gospel, and so we see here in John's answer the beauty of it. Look at verse 27 with me. John answered, a person cannot receive anything, not even one thing, unless it is given from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy of mine is now complete. Here it is. You know it. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God. Remains on him. Amen. You can be seated. Ministry. Specifically. Leadership in pastoral ministry. Is about. Jesus. This truth. Sadly has gone woefully awry. In a lot of modern ministry. I was literally just reading this morning. On my Apple news feed. Apple news. Like on everybody's phone. Except for you Android people, we'll talk about later. But a very public space, right? The digital town square, if you will. A Washington Post article about a pastor of the fastest growing church in recent memory in Texas who decided to have an affair. And I read that just thinking about what we were talking about today with Jerome and with ordination and, and thinking to myself like... What is it that we're called to do? What what, what is it that we at Redeemer are working hard at? We're working hard to return a pastor's work to the spiritual work that it is. Pastoral ministry is Jesus increasing, us decreasing. It's serving one another. So that... We can get to Jesus, who this scripture says dispenses the spirit of God without measure. And the challenge in this for you and I, as we think about ord- ordaining Jerome today, is is my experience in the life of the church that I'm receiving the spirit of God without measure. And if the answer is no, we have to ask why. And my goal is not to answer that today, but the reality is, is there's so much more in front of us because the spirit of God is willing to be dispensed without measure. And I want to invite you to come and see Jesus. I want to invite you to come and be a part of the church. Ordaining Jerome today is a chance for all of us to take a step back and say, what have I been what have I been trying to gain from a church instead of what am I trying to bring to the body of Christ? And if all of us will reorient to that and, and say, I, I'm going to worship Christ right last week, Pastor Tim talked about who the Lord of worship is. And so often, you know, we, we may have brought our doves and pigeons and goats and sheeps into here and sold it. But we've sold some other things, if we're honest, we we have to be honest. But the, the invitation and the beauty of it is that as a church, Redeemer City Church, we are commissioned by God in Luke chapter four to join him in sharing the liberating power of the gospel. That is why we do what we do. We don't do it for any other reason. That's the only goal. For you to be set free and then for you to walk other people into freedom. That's the whole deal. And so this year you will hear and see us continually march toward that. And it will require some things to shift. It will require me to get better at some things. You to get better at some things. All of us to get better at some things. But all for the sake of knowing Jesus. That's it. If if you know Jesus, the rest of it's going to come. If I know and follow Jesus, the rest of it's going to come. It is the whole point of everything. Jesus increasing us, decreasing because we are given a body, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, to glorify God with. I love that. You have a physical body to usher spiritual realities into the world. What an awesome thing. I don't have time to unpack that, but we see exemplified in John the Baptist for a minister, a pastor, an elder, a picture of what the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven looks like. Jesus shows up and John just points. What an awesome thing. That is still our job today. One thing I admire and that we have all observed, and I think every one of you who knows Jerome Would affirm is that he is very content with who God made him. That's a gift. And and honestly, I I don't know that I have always been content with who God made me. And it has gotten in the way of doing ministry. And no doubt some of you sitting here look at who God has made you and you are not satisfied with who God made you. And I just want to invite you to surrender to him. In this moment, as we think about ordination, that so many of us aren't content with who God made us. And one of the things that's beautiful here is that Paul reminds Timothy that, no, 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 you, you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Right? He would say elsewhere to Timothy, he would say, don't let anyone look down on your youth. He was a young pastor. He said, don't, don't let anybody look down on that. But what would God say to you as we think about our ministry? Don't let anyone look down on your whatever. Who has God called you to be? God has gifted all of us and part of ordained ministry and part of why we publicly affirm and celebrate and ordain Pastor Jerome today is because it will be partially his job to do that with you. To walk you toward who God has made you to be. To equip you to do the work of ministry and that's going to require that you figure out who you are and who God's wired you to be and how you will do that. So I'm excited about that. And before we actually bring him up and lay hands on him, I would do want to invite him up to come and share with you in case you don't know him very well over the last couple of years. I want him to just share uh, how he came to Christ and what his call to ministry is and let him uh, get in front of you. And then when he's done, I'll come back up and we'll actually uh, call our pastors and elders up and we will we'll lay hands on Jerome and pray for him. But Jerome, why don't you come up and uh, share what God's laid on your heart about your story.
1: Thank you, Pastor Mitch. Um, man, it's kind of uncomfortable being, uh, yeah, um, it's weird because I invited, you know, one of my best friends here, Adam, he's here, then my, my dad's here, um, and it's like, well, Rome, why would you invite him if you didn't want to be celebrated? It's just, we're here to celebrate God, right? And I appreciate that, but that's, that's my focus, and I just want to lift him up always. I am a uh, testimony. All right, so, you know, um, grew up in the church. My dad here is probably the reason why I am the way that I am in a lot of ways. We would, uh I remember we used to clean the church uh, when I was young and, you know, scrubbing those floors, scrubbing those toilets, all the things, and it just reminded me of, like, I'm, like, God is always watching. I felt like I was in, you know, he's watching me, so I want to do a good job, right? I've carried that with me in a lot of ways with everything that I do. I always want to, God is watching me, so even when I'm at at work or, like, whatever work I was doing, I'm like, mm, God's watching me. I don't want to cheat this, and so he make sure that these, you know, I'm working at you know, sports authority in the shoe department. They make sure that all these are perfect because not for everybody else, but God is watching. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a church. I um, sang in the choir once upon a time. And uh, and then, you know, prodigal son story. We all know that I'm not going to go through all the details, but you can, you know, come ask me later if you want to know the details of that. But then, you know, I had to find my own my own faith and not my parents' faith, and I think that started around 27 when I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna I want to know this for myself. Like I want to read this for myself, and I'm gonna start studying. And it was, it was probably around somewhere around there, 26, 27, where I started sitting down. Actually, I was living with with my best friend Adam here at the time and just going through the gospels and really diving in and um, God revealing himself through the scriptures of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, fast forward a couple years, uh maturing in faith, I uh met Zachary Elliott uh, when I moved to he doesn't like when I say Zachary. Zach. Sorry, Zach Elliott. Um, when I moved to, uh, to Oregon and uh, became really good friends there, he took me on a journey um, with four other guys of becoming, a, you know, just studying to, be, to become a pastor. Never wanted to be a pastor, but what he sold me on is, hey, this would be good for pastoring, you know, your family. This would be good for pastoring people throughout your life. So I'm, oh, okay, if I'm not going to be a pastor. I said, I'm not going to be, I told her, that's, that's not what I'm going to, but okay, I can see this family. I'll have kids one day. I want to be able to pastor them and shepherd them well. Okay. So he we went on this long, long journey of reading books and studying together and all the things. And I got here, uh, came to Florida about six years ago. Um, Zach asked me to start a ministry with him to participate in a ministry called uh V three. The vision is Jesus. Um, you see the shirt that Mitch is wearing earlier and the shirt that Zach is wearing. Um, and that's the whole focal point is Jesus. He is the vision. He is the reason why we do everything. So um, orienting my vision around that uh, came here and it wasn't it wasn't a hard decision but at first I would say that my, my flesh was like, whoa, you're going to leave everything that you have here. Cause I felt like I was very comfortable where I was. I was very comfortable in Portland, Oregon and, it, you know, drive across country to start a ministry, the unknown. I was like, uh, let me talk to my wife about that. She was like, you know, I think God is telling us to go. I said, dang it. Um, because I, I loved my job and all the things that I had. I worked for a company called, it was Solomon and the faucet never stopped running. I had all the things and free gear and snowboard gear and, and free credit cards and cars and computers and I didn't have any, any debt or anything like any, all I had to do was pay rent. Everything else was paid for. So I was like, well, um, if I'm really going to trust God, Right. He's the one that provides everything. He provides my financials. He, he provides everything. And now I, I'm, I'm kind of acting like the rich young ruler in a way. And I felt disgusted with myself. And so I said, yes, even if it's just to spite the devil, because I felt like the devil was on my shoulder. I said, you're not going to leave. You're not going to leave all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't like that guy. I'll do it just to spite you. No, I'm going, I'm going to go. And, uh, so we started ministry and this is how I got here. Um, I want to read a couple of scriptures. Uh, one of the scriptures that I really shape, that shapes my life. One of them is Proverbs three, five. This is crazy because I guys speak all the time, right? But I feel nervous up here. It's really weird. It's really an awkward thing. You know, uh, it's, it's weird, but, um, Proverbs three five, is, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So that really shapes and orients my life on the front end. It's like, okay, Lord, I got to trust in you with all my heart. Not trust in the company that I'm working for. Not trust in the, the this, my savings account. Not trust in all these things, but trust in you with everything. This is how John the Baptist lived. He trusted in the Lord. Jesus called us to, you know, He said, don't take two tunics, take, you know, take two tunics, but, you know, give one away, just take one, right? I'm everything that you need. So, I really try to shape my life that way. Um, although it's, it's, it's hard. There's always this tug and pull with the flesh saying, hey, you should be wise and you should get, you know, save up and do this or whatever. But I'm always reorienting every day to Christ. Because if I don't, then I'll slowly end up going the opposite way. The second verse I want to share is from Philippians um, 3, 3, 13 and 14. But I'm going to read from 12 because I love this. It says this, not that I have already attained, this is Paul, or that I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, which means I haven't gained anything yet. But this one thing I do forget the things, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. And so on the back end of my life, like those are the two things that I operate in the middle of, is that okay. I gotta trust in the Lord with all my heart. Reorient my vision towards Him. And that I'm not done. I'm just getting started. Right? Forget those things which are Behind me, the Lord forgives us, right? All the shame, let that go. And I continue to press, continue to press. I think of a running back, you know, running through the line that I'm just going to continue to just drive my feet and press no matter what. It doesn't matter if I fumbled the ball two plays ago. I'm not thinking about that. I'm going to continue to press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yeah,
0: that's all I got for us today. Love you, man.
1: So nervous. Why am I so nervous? I preach all the time. What is going on? Shaking up here.
0: It's special. Special. I want to read one more, one more scripture to you, and then I'm going to invite our pastors and elders up. But in Acts chapter 13, as Paul himself was preparing for the mission field, preparing to do uh, the ministry that God set him apart for. Uh, I think it's I think it's a, a fitting reading for us as we do this and why we do it here. But in Acts, chapter 13, verse two, it says, as they were worshiping, they were gathered together and they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after they had fasted, prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. And so for the life of the church since the very beginning, um, this has been a practice that has taken place. And so uh, it's a it's a spiritual work. It's a work of God. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I want to invite my our pastors and elders here and also uh, Zach, if you would come up, uh, we want to just lay hands on Jerome and, pr- and I will pray over him as uh, we recognize that he is set apart for the work of ministry. And when we're done praying, uh, the band's going to come up and lead us in that song, Grace on Top of Grace again, because that is exactly what uh, this is. It's the grace of God in our life. It's the grace of God in Jerome's life. And so uh, would you do me a favor and stand? And as much as we are a part of this, we want to recognize that you're a part of this and that you're a part of the body of Christ. And scripture says that we are one. We're one in Christ. There's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so if you would just in agreement, just lift a hand towards Jerome, we'd love for you to participate in this with your body as well. And uh, we'll pray over over him. Father, you are so good. It's fun to think that just a few years ago, maybe more than a few now, that I didn't even know Jerome, but the connections that were being made, the timing of the planting of Redeemer City Church and the moving in uh, Jerome's heart by you, Holy Spirit, were almost identical And to think that just a few years later, you would bring us together from the literal opposite ends of the country uh, to set Jerome apart for ministry right here in Tampa Heights is truly miraculous. That you are doing a new thing in Jerome's life and our church life. And we want to praise you first and foremost for everything that you're doing. And God, we are also thankful for Jerome. Uh, Jerome is one of the gifts that you have given to Redeemer City Church. And we just want to affirm that and celebrate that. And thank you for his life and for his example to us. Holy Spirit, I also want to ask that you would fill him, that you would fill him with your spirit. The scriptures over and over again talk about the laying on of hands and that it was in that moment that you filled your people with your spirit. And that they began to prophesy and speak in tongues and do all the things that Acts records for us. And that you would send people out into the work of ministry. And so, Holy Spirit, as we lay hands on Jerome right now, we ask that you would fill him. Would you give him your specific calling on his life? That as he is that city set on a hill in this city, that we would see great fruit in his life, great fruit in the life of our church. And that, God, you would be obvious to everybody that comes in contact with him. God, I pray that as John did, that you would increase and that gloriously Jerome would decrease. What a blessing Jerome is to our church. And we ask that you would bless him as he accepts this call into ministry. We love you. We love Jerome. And we ask that you would bless everything that his hands find themselves doing. We love you. Pray that you'd bless his family. Would you bless Aaron and Selah and the little baby? God, you are so good. You're so good. And we ask for your blessings on the Millners. We love you. And it's your name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. We love you, man.